Hi, this is Jonathan Marks, and welcome to the On Your Marks Book Review podcast. This week I read the book Exactly, How Precision Engineers Created the Modern World, written by Simon Winchester. Winchester is a writing powerhouse. The dust cover of the book lists 30 previous books written by him. He studied geology at Oxford and worked for many years as a journalist, receiving an OBE from the Queen for his contribution to literature and the profession of journalism. And while British, he now currently lives in the US. The topic, seemingly rather obscure, has been treated beautifully by the author, who has managed to blend together parts of his own life and story with wonderful narrative and just enough science to make it interesting. I think this is a rare skill, mind you, the ability to take fairly complex science and engineering and not only make it accessible to the layman, but in fact to make it interesting. Engineers have something of a reputation, uh, deserved or otherwise, so there was some trepidation in diving into this book. As I read it, I was reminded of a story a student once told me about the shyness and introversion associated with engineers. He said to me, how do you know if an engineer likes you? Well, they're looking at your shoes and not theirs. But despite this, Winchester seems to traverse this terrain beautifully and very easily and offers the reader a wonderful journey through almost 400 years of engineering history. The book is masterfully researched and written, and as always, it's a distinct pleasure to read a book written by someone who not only has something meaningful to say, but says it so well. The book is arranged across 10 chapters, each one aligning some aspect of precision engineering in a changing social order, both in society as well as as new technology has emerged. The chapters unfold related to stars, time, guns, clocks, automobiles, jet engines, cameras, lenses, GPS, and then finally microprocessors. This is of course by no means an exhaustive list of all engineering achievements and feats, but at the same time the book would appear to cover key parts of our modern life. What I found fascinating was how each successive chapter shares not only an advance in some aspect of precision engineering, but also unfolds as a treatise on increased precision, measured by lowering levels of tolerance. In other words, a clock made in the 1700s will have much greater tolerance for variability than, say, a Rolls-Royce jet engine powering an Airbus A380 or the mirrors used to capture images on the Hubble telescope. Winchester begins the book by creating some definitional clarity about what precision really means. The word is defined by the Oxford Dictionary as, and I quote, with exactness and accuracy, end quote. However, accuracy is not the same as precision, argues Winchester. Accuracy has more to do with care and attention. A good example provided by him in the book is describing the constant ratio between the diameter and circumference of a circle, pi. So to be precise, pi is 3,14159265358973238436. To be accurate we can express pi to seven decimal places as 3,14159927. So that defines the difference between accuracy and precision. The whole book is interesting, well, at least to me. Each chapter unfolds with wonderful stories and examples, as I've said, and a rich tapestry of characters, people, and events. It makes no sense here to explore each chapter in turn. Just go ahead and buy the book. It'll make wonderful, wonderful holiday reading, So what I rather thought I would do is to share three particular examples that I found personally interesting, partly because at least two of these are echoes of work that I've read before, 
And in one other case, I found such a fascinating connection between the technology and large-scale social change. The first two relate to time and location. In the late 1600s, early 1700s, as Western nations became more expansive, their ability to navigate across vast and trackless expanses of ocean became essential to the maritime business, says Winchester. Getting lost at sea was costly and often fatal. The trick to knowing one's location in this endless sea was to know the time aboard the ship and at a fixed location such as the port of departure. So important was it to solve this problem that the British Parliament launched the Longitude Prize in 1714, offering £20,000 at the time, around £1.7 million today, to anyone who could solve the problem. Into this particular story came John Harrison, a carpenter and joiner from Yorkshire, who became the world's most revered horologist. Over a lifetime of his work, Harrison built four clocks, all of which incidentally are still in perfect working order and can be seen at the Greenwich Maritime Observatory outside of London. What Harrison brought to his work was deep dedication and a keen understanding of materials and how they functioned in different environments. His clocks were put to extreme tests by the Admiralty, and alongside his lack of social status in Britain at the time, he was subjected to all kinds of political shenanigans that actually excluded him from winning the prize. Only following the intervention of King George was he finally awarded most of the money, albeit posthumously. But Harrison's clocks in fact solved the problem, by precisely tracking time in more than one location, and thereby allowing for the calculation of longitude. Incidentally, a wonderful book that describes this moment in history in great detail is the book Longitude by Dava Sobel. I highly recommend this book. It's short and wonderfully written, and certainly worth a read if this interests you. And then across the book was such an interesting link between this particular chapter that described Harrison's story and a later chapter that told the story of the launch of Sputnik in October 1957, and about two engineers working at the Johns Hopkins Advanced Product Lab in Baltimore. As Sputnik was launched, it obviously caused consternation across the world and great fear in the US given the ever-present threat of nuclear war. However, for the science and engineering community, this was, as the author Stephen Johnson says in his book Where Do Ideas Come From, which describes this very event, this was nerd heaven. And two young scientists, Guy and Weifenbach, decide to try and track Sputnik using the constant signal being emitted by the satellite. This little side project, really nothing more than a desire to see if they could track the trajectory of the satellite as it orbited the Earth, came to the attention of the head of the Advanced Product Lab. Frank McClure, the head of this lab, had a much broader agenda and immediately saw that the ability to track a moving object in space from a known location on Earth could be done in reverse, something that Guy and Weifenbach had not considered. And this way, according to McClure, the US could launch a number of satellites and then track their nuclear submarines. This was, of course, the launch of GPS technology. The US military kept this a very close secret for many years, until Reagan finally opened the standard for the world, something I guess we can all be grateful for, for its inclusion in smartphones, among other things. Interestingly, the US still had great fear about the threat to them with respect to GPS, and its ability to, can you believe this, track the White House. And so for many decades post the opening of the standard, there was a built-in error into all GPS technology that meant the position of the White House was always around 300 feet off its actual target. This was finally corrected during the Clinton administration. The final story that I found fascinating was that related to guns. 
not because I have any fascination with weapons per se, or that I in any way glorify guns and warfare, but because the chapter told such an interesting social story. At the time of the American War of Independence, weapons carried by soldiers were handcrafted, and so when a gun broke for whatever reason, this needed to be repaired by a craftsman. There was no system of field repairs and no system of interchangeable spare parts. But interestingly, some years prior, the French had begun to experiment with this very system of weapon manufacture. And not until standardized systems of measures and production were created could this approach really take off. And so, in fact, driven by warfare, and I guess the need for political power, an entire system of production emerged that influenced everything else that came after it. From the design and manufacture of block and tackles to hoist heavy weights in warships, to weaving looms onto bicycles, cars, planes, clocks, and ultimately to technology today, this entire system of standardized manufacture away from the work of the craftsmen would seem to have emerged from the battlefield. But of course it's had a social impact, as Winchester writes in his book, and I quote, The world moved towards mechanization, towards efficiencies that favored the middle classes, towards techniques that put the honest work of craftsmen to disadvantage. End quote. And so this book, while covering a long period of history, does, I believe, offer some hope for us all, if only in the words of those that came long before us. In the chapter that describes the Great Exhibition of 1851 in Hyde Park, London, a kind of world fair of technology, I was struck by these words spoken by Prince Albert, and I quote, We're living at a period of the most wonderful transition, which tends rapidly to accomplish that great end to which all history points, the realization of the unity of all mankind. End quote. Well, who knows? Maybe we do have some introverted engineers to thank for the progress made thus far, and who knows, they might even bring us all together. Well, thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast. In the week ahead, I'm reading the book Make Time, How to Focus on What Matters Every Day. Well, with my frantic rundown to the end of 2022, I thought I'd find some solace for my overfull schedule in this book, so please do look out for that review next Tuesday. And wishing you all an absolutely wonderful week ahead. 